the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. the show. This is the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. This is episode 347 for the, uh, well, for Tuesday, in fact, the 1st of September 2015. It's not Monday because I've been a little bit under the weather and in fact, you can probably tell from my voice, I still am. But fortunately, I have some help. I'm joined by my co-host, Brett King. Howdy, hi. Hey, Brett, it's good to have you on the show, as always. Always a pleasure. Look, the story that caught my eye this week was the update on the Ashley Madison hack. Now, we covered this, I think, last episode with, I think, with Ben Sunko, in fact. Ah, did you troll through and find yourself? <laughs> he asked me the same thing. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to have to put up the same questions from you. Anyway, uh, the update on this, as you know, you probably know, Brett, there was a half million dollar bounty that was put mm-hmm. up, right, for any information that leads to a conviction. And the latest on this is a guy by the name of Brian Krebs, and he's a security researcher. Now, he has been doing a little bit of work to find out what's been going on with this hack. And a guy by the, na- by the name of Thaddeus Zoo has caught his attention on Twitter. Hmm. So it's something to do. Do you want to fill in, fill in on some details? It's it's to do with the ACDC song Thunderstruck, and he's kind of I, well, I, I, yeah, he's it's, drawing it's, links. He has, yeah, Brian Krebs has trawled through all of the information and the timeline of information releases about the um, Ashley Madison hack, and he has found this one particular blogger, Thaddeus Zoo, who broke the news, retweeted news, and did all of these things before anybody else. And all of the information he was retreating and showing pictures and stuff of all contained little nuggets of information which kind of link back to the hack itself. So this is where he's, you know, kind of put all of the pulled all of these threads together and come up with a picture of this person has more knowledge about this hack than just being a blogger retweeting everybody's information this is a person who's not just retweeting information this is a person who is releasing information so yeah (laughs) does appear to have yeah tracked it down and there are some significant significant um threads here which do you know they're either incredibly good coincidences or there's deeper information known there as you say at this point it is circumstantial so it's either there's a big coincidence going on here or as you said there could be a link Mm. so because, I mean, this guy, uh, Brian Krebs, could be, if he's right, could be in line for uh, a claim on that 500000 Canadian dollar bounty. Yeah. 
Wow. Indeed. That's quarter of a million pounds. Well, Ben said on last time on the show, this is a story to watch. There's a lot more information that's going to come out of this. Yeah. And and it's exactly what's happening now. This is just the tip of the iceberg, I feel. Yep. How the world deals with it, the, the, the legal implications of it, how the, you know, the different threads that are followed for this. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think one of the, I guess, links that Brian has made with this Thaddeus Zoo is that Thaddeus had apparently tweeted or used the Thunderstruck track when he was threatening another security firm back in, was it 2012? Yep. And, of course, it came up again in this case. And so he, this is where he's sort of looking at, I guess, similar patterns of behavior it's it's kind of really a, a, almost like a, a social uh, not really social engineering but i guess a, a social investigation looking at the, the social side of people and how they behave and what kind of phrases they they use or catchphrases or characteristics that's really yep. what it's about as opposed to yeah, yeah. It's, you know it's, a, a technical it, forensic well, it's what profilers do for yeah, profi- criminal yeah. activity they, yeah. they yeah, come exactly. up with you know what are people's common habits what are you know things that people always say or people always do way they act way they behave decisions they routinely make you know which way do they lean <laughs> politics religion wise all those sorts of things influence the way that you act the way that you respond to things and so they put all of these bits of information that they gain from a criminal activity together to try and, you know, create a, an image of what kind of person would have done this and what the kind that person's kind of habits would be. And then they follow the different links until they, you know, sometimes they have good matches, sometimes not so much. But in this sort of situation, what we've got here is we've got uh, a person with more knowledge about the the inside working of what went, you know, what went down in the Ashley Madison hack. And he's used that information to match against this other person's track record and has come up with some correlations that he's bringing to light. Now, it may be that those correlations are 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 legitimate or it may be a you know a massive coincidence and coincidences happen every day on everything (laughs) but it is at least a a thread to investigate definitely this is intelligence gathering 101 yes not the nsa we should be worried about it's brian krebs (laughs) actually no it's everybody mostly big governments that's who you should be worried about all right well actually we've got a krebs is is one of the people tracking down people doing bad things. Yeah, I know. I, Not I was, people tracking down people yeah, know, doing everything. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about let's talk about movies then. Uh, high frame rates. Now, you know the, uh, the was it the Hobbit was I think one of the first movies to come out in forty eight frames a second. Yep. It seemed to polarize people. Uh, people, there's a one camp where people said it just it looks wrong, doesn't look right, looks too real, doesn't look filmy enough, and others uh, on the other side saying this looks much better. It's it's much more uh, a, a much better definition, if you like. Um, so temporally, that is not spatially. Mm. Uh, so I think you've got the same. Um, <laughs> they're the same two arguments you have for a three D. 3D makes everything look so much more real and blah, blah, blah. And others are 3D makes everything look too weird and too real. And this whole perception thing, it doesn't feel like a movie. Yeah, you, you'll get 
people on either side of the things uh, for any of these new developments. Yeah. It's whether or not the, the new development actually makes a difference. But I think, though, from you know reading a few articles, that uh, high frame rates may well become standard, right? We may move away from 24 to 48 as a standard. Yeah, it's possible. And I'm guessing also 4K as well, spatially. Yeah, but <laughs> that's going to require some, some new hardware developments, pushing these things together, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things have a hard enough time pumping out you know, 30 to 60 frames <laughs> on a 4K. Yeah, that's true. Very true. But, you know... Yeah, you need th- some high-end graphics even, card if you want to play video games at 4K. Don't forget, though, that's actually also... The spec of your machine has to also generate the uh, the polygons, whereas yeah. this is just playback. But yeah, you no, indeed, this is just playback, but it still requires more hardware to pump out faster frames at a larger resolution. Yeah, sure, sure. There's even talk about increasing to 60 frames a second for for films at some point, which mm. will be interesting. I think, you know, it's funny because they've kind of trailed behind video in general. You know, like your, your cameras, even your still cameras take 60, like my, my still camera takes uh, 60 frame a second video at, at 1080p, or, you know. Yeah, most um, video content on... You know, the the internet, You, if you look at, for instance, gaming playthroughs and follow-alongs on um, YouTube, they're generally the, the good ones are all done at 1080, 60 frames. Mm. Yeah. It is cinema making a catch-up with tech which is already being pushed out across the internet. Mm, correct. What's your take on the uh, use of higher frame rates in, in the cinema? Your if it view. improves the quality of the experience, then sure. Smoother panning? Smoother panning. They won't have to rely quite so much on those high action jump cuts. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, any technology which allows them to, to, to push the limits in what they can create and what they can do and what they can present. It's all fine by me. Alrighty, well, I, I just thought it was interesting how they're, they're talking about bringing this into the, uh, or that may well become a standard, and then, as I say, pushing mm. that up to 60, because I'd love to see, I haven't seen uh, uh, on a cinema screen anything at 60 frames a second, but I'd love to see what it's like, especially at... Well, I don't at, think at, oh. there are many cinemas that are capable of 60 frames a second. Only the, the new digital cinema technology can do, you know, push out 48 frames per second, which is why they're still releasing 24 frame per second version of The Hobbit so that the the non-upgraded cinemas can still play it. That's interesting because you can get, uh, you know, cheap projectors from Dell, which I, I know obviously you can never use in a cinema, but the, the point I'm making is that there is technology to project 60 frames a second in the home market. Yeah. Why, why isn't there? Surely there must be. Maybe the, there's orders of magnitude in cost when you're scaling it up. Uh, maybe. Anyway, I look forward to that coming along. Now, let's talk about Windows 10 because I've seen some interesting stories about Windows 10. Uh, there's been a lot of good news. We've talked about a lot of the good news and how wonderful Windows 10 is. But there's another side to Windows 10, and that is the side where people have been looking at the kinds of activity that windows 10 does and there's two yeah all of the privacy invadey activity that windows 10 does without telling you and without letting you turn it off or in some cases 
having it all turned on by default. Well, this is what I want to talk about because is this a storm in a teacup or uh, is there a genuine, uh, I guess, area of concern where perhaps Microsoft ought to change I think there's a genuine area of concern. Some of it is storm in a teacup, but a lot of teacup storms turned out to be, you know, full-on twisters. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I, I like the analogy. Look, let's let's introduce some of the detail of what we, we're referring to. So, the first of which is a feature that uh, basically parental control. So, most operating systems have parental controls. The thing is, though, in Windows 10, it's on by default. So, if you create an account for your child, and uh, that account gets used every week by default, you will get a report covering their activity. The 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 uh, the yeah, websites it, they looked is, at the that's the, not just par- that's not parental controls though. You know, most operating systems have parental controls, and parental controls are your ability to limit what your child does. That's what parental controls are on anything. I guess this is parental this monitoring. Is, this is it? parental monitoring. Yeah, good point. Uh, so anyway, what do you think, Brett? It's on by default, and it gives you this r- report. Is is it worrying, or is it is it just like no, that's a good thing because it, Not, it's, well, it's safer by it, having it on by default. It's, it's you, a creepy thing painted with the look at this good feature we've got that's going to protect your family. When you look at it from the outside, it is all about. But think of the children. Uh, that wonderful catchphrase in politics, but think of the children so that we can pass whatever nasty thing that we want to pass, but think of the children. This has, is, this is taking parental controls and taking a giant leap into the creepy monitoring side of it. So yeah, by default, if you've created a family account for your kid, and obviously Windows 10 is linked to Microsoft accounts, unless you've turned it, you know, told it to not be. And by default, it is the parental monitoring is turned on. And by default, it will send emails to you. So you will get once a week a report on the activity that your child has done on their computer. So what apps they've used, how long they were on for, how long they used those apps, what websites they visited, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all titled with an email that says weekly activity report for, and then your child's name that you've assigned to the the family account that you've used for your child there. And that is emailed to you. So number one, you've got the whole thing of all of this activity about what your kid is doing on their computer is going out into the internet and then back to your email, whatever email you've got connected to that, because you might be forwarding your Microsoft Microsoft Live account email onto an actual email that you bother to use, such as your work account or something like that. And so this is going through many, many different systems like that, where all of this information can leak out and blah, blah, blah. You've got that privacy concern there. Number two, there has been absolutely no response from Microsoft around who else gets this information? Does this information pass through? Well, obviously this information passed through Microsoft servers, but do they keep any of this information about your child's activity? And are they going to then be, you know, monitoring that for targeting ads at your kid? And then you've got the fact that with this stuff on by default, it is a massive invasion of your child's privacy. And a lot of parents obviously will be going, well, my child doesn't have privacy, obviously. (laughs) It's there for my kid's protection. Children need privacy just as much as adults need privacy. Children should be monitored. Children should be um, 
taught appropriate ways to do things, but they should not have some big brother looking over there shoulder for all these things, especially when you have a lot of at-risk children in a lot of at-risk environments where these uh, might be children in a in a staunchly religious environment with, you know, very strict things on uh, homosexuality, etc., etc., and the child might be discovering their latent, you know, uh, their their later latent gender or sexual identity and maybe exploring those things on the internet and suddenly this information is all going to their parents and then the, you know all of the stuff that can come out from this this is so there are so many horrible thorny issues that this can bring up so many children can be put in harm's way because of this sort of activity that is being passed off as but it's all for the children yeah, it is it is a massive step in in the direction of the creepy. And <laughs> I think people are are rightly concerned that this is the direction that Microsoft's going in with Windows 10. But surely the they're issue taking of, they're wait, taking this wait, sort of reporting stuff and they're taking it into the creepy. But surely the issue of whether a parent or how much a parent monitors their child, be it on the computer or when they're at someone else's place or whether they're in town or whatever or what they're doing in their room, surely that's up to a parent. And really the issue here is more surely about... it's the, up to a parent discussing it with their child. Well, yeah, sure. And and so what I guess where, where I'm coming from is surely the with regards to Windows, the only issue is that it's turned on by default and the other account holder is, is not made aware of that. Would, would that yeah. be a fair... Summary? Indeed. So if Microsoft didn't make it, uh, by, uh, didn't turn it on by default, and perhaps had a, a feature that when it is turned on, the account that is being monitored gets an alert saying, you know, you, your account is being monitored, your activity online is being monitored, and then you've got a lot more transparency, perhaps those two things would, uh, I, I guess, would I, alleviate <sighs> concerns? No. No. There are so many at-risk children whose escape from the the anguish of their daily family lives is the internet on their computer, and this just locks out that release mechanism for them. So you're saying that there should be no such feature? I'm saying that it is a step in the creepy. It is a serious step into the creepy. I guess I guess the the tricky thing though is where do you draw the line where a parent wants to make sure their child is not going off the rails, going wayward, uh, getting led astray, being taken advantage of, perhaps. Yeah, Whereas- that is where you actually have a damn relationship with your child, and not a automated report. That comes in. If your interaction with your child and your understanding of your child's well-being and what they're doing and how they're feeling is only through a weekly activity report that comes to you from the monitoring on their computer account, then take a damn good look at yourself, parent, and see whether or not you actually deserve to be a parent, that you actually have your child's best interests at heart in mind because obviously you're not spending enough time 
actually developing a real relationship with your child. Now, for some, so there are a lot of parents who are like that, and this sort of thing just makes it worse for the child. Sure, for the most part, that might be fine, but there might be a small minority where the parents have tried that, and they still have genuine concerns that some, you know, things aren't quite right, whatever the case may be, and Mm -hmm. that this could be just that extra, I guess, layer, uh, which gives parents either reassurance or, or the other way around, uh, sort of grounds to start, or well not grounds, but you know, a reason to start a, another conversation with them. <laughs> no? Nothing like this replaces actual communication with your child. And if you've got doubts that make you think that monitoring your child's computer activity yeah, with a weekly report of every website they've visited and every app that they've used and how long that they've used all of those things for is your only way to know whether or not your child is going astray. You seriously need to look at yourself and your relationship with your child. And maybe you need to involve a professional, get some counseling. Because so, so what this should have Michael, sort of what thing should... is not a replacement for actual an actual relationship. Mm-hmm. So what should Microsoft have done? Taking it back to Microsoft with Windows 10, what what, should, what would you, if if you were giving Parental advice controls, to, to, to Microsoft, As everybody has say? known them, as they work, where you outline what it is that the child can do on the computer account and it restricts the, to those things because that way it is known. The child knows what they can do. So really what you're saying is do. your advice to Microsoft is this feature this report feature What's this whole be reporting a thing? It's what makes it creepy. <laughs> and that is pretty much what every single comment that I've read about this feature <laughs> has yeah, been. That's right. Is that it's it's creepy. It's it's putting at risk children more at risk. It is uh, going beyond. It is tr- Microsoft stepping into the realm of parenting where they have no right to be. Yeah. But you know, just playing devil's advocate on that though, you could say this it's just a tool. Microsoft are providing a tool. It is the pa- up to the parent as to how they're not providing the tool. a tool. Microsoft are enforcing you to use a tool. Well, unless you, can turn you it work off. out that you need to turn it off. Well and you work it out after PC the first literate report, enough surely. to have to hang well, you know, or Google literate enough to have done a search on it to find out how to turn it off. <sighs> Okay, then, let's talk about the other uh, concern. Yeah, it's this (laughs) whole step into this monitoring, reporting creepiness, and it's just unsettling as to the level of Big Brother, level of 1984 that Microsoft have brought in under Windows 10. Okay, a lot of people are saying the same thing. Let's move on and talk about the other uh, thing that's come to light as well, and this is based on a YouTube video. I'll post a link, in fact, I'll put a a link on our show notes so if you go to boysoftech.com under episode 347 you can click the link there to get through the video so uh, someone's released a video I forget the name of the person they've released a video he's basically narrating a video showing how in Windows 10 allegedly when you click onto images just to view them like you've got these images stored on your device and you click through to view them uh, he then looks he's got a, a, a basically a, a sniffer at Wireshark mm-hmm. and according to the video narrator 
it looks as though every time you open an, an image, some traffic goes off to Microsoft and it's encrypted so he can't look inside it. But he's questioning why is there a need for when I open an image on my device that something needs to go to Microsoft, be it metadata or data, who knows what it is. But Indeed. W- what is that? Especially w- since he has said that he's turned off all of the, you know, the, the reporting features. Yeah, correct. Obviously turned them down to the minimum because you yeah. can't turn them off in Windows 10, which is another big bugbear with a lot of people. can only turn them off in Enterprise. So have you read some of the comments on that video? I have read a lot of the comments on that video, yes. It's kind of interesting because I, I guess part of me thinks, well, maybe it's kind of uh, usage stats. It could, but- it could be, it could be. But once again, this this whole new way that Microsoft is doing things is just, it's just taking it that step into the creepy realm of monitoring. It's like, even if these little telemetry things are just Microsoft getting details of, oh, um, people really like to use our Windows image viewer um, because it gets it gets opened and used a hell of a lot. And, oh, uh, our image viewer program needs to have a little work done because it's having, you know, it's taking a little longer when it's opening up GIF images than it is when it's opening up PNG. So maybe we need to optimize that or something like that. But it's still that nobody, Microsoft hasn't, told has not released what each of these pieces of telemetry is there is no information about what this stuff is actually the content of it is and what it is being used for in microsoft they are so edgy and dodgy about it it is so entering the world of creepy 1984 big brother monitoring here and All they need to do is come out and specifically state what it is that each of these things is actually doing. And people will have much better peace of mind about utilizing these things. It's this uncertainty of what it is that is happening on there. And it's also the fact, you know, that if it isn't just, you know, how many times the app is opened and whether or not it's having issues, you know, running a codec or blah, 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 or whatever. Because it appears to, um, from what he's stated in the comments to uh, his own comments to his, his video, it seems to happen with other Metro apps as well. So it could just be Metro usage, you know, Windows Store app usage stuff and all that sort of thing. But without them knowing it, yeah, you just don't know. Do you know whether or not it's actually sending a, as he suggested in the video, a hash of what the image is and off to Microsoft to, so Microsoft can do their big brother monitoring of what you're doing on what, you know, what you're looking at on your computer. And we can debate till the cows come home as to whether or not that's legit or not. But then to make sure whether or not a hash is actually a hash, a confirmed positive, then need would in that sort of situation need to be a way to reverse it so you could actually get the image. But does that mean that all of your images, think of this as a, proto- a photographer where your images are your art, are your, you know, your work, your stuff, your trademark copyrighted property. That stuff is that stuff getting sent off and stockpiled by Microsoft in their systems. This is it's all because Microsoft has not come out and said what all of this stuff is and what it's being used for. They could allay all of these 
big brother creepy world scenario theories that everybody is coming up with what all of this information is if they would just step up and say what the heck each of these pieces of information is not this general you know fobbing off of oh it's it, it's you know so we can tailor the experience and uh, improve customer service and um you know bug fixes and feedback that's not good enough we need so but, actual but there are people there are people that will say and i know people like this I don't care. Who cares? I, I don't have anything that I, I, I'm embarrassed about or worried about or scared about. Who cares? Yes. Move and on. And these are the exact same people who then get up in arms when the big revelations of actual things, conspiracies happening, come out. This you, you can say, who cares, to the cows come home, but it does not mean that you should not expect privacy of your private information. But or surely we can your trust company that you're working for expect privacy of the information that you're working from home from. Okay, but yeah. surely we can trust Microsoft and no, Apple. God, we can't trust anyone, Ed. You know that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, Brett. Look, let's give Microsoft. Let's be generous. Let's give them thirty days. Let's give them give them a month, right? Because sometimes. Big companies like that are a little bit slow to come out and want to make sure they don't uh, get the wrong message across, even though they're telling them they might want to come out and tell you the truth and tra- tell you transparently. You know, they want to make sure that they're getting the words right so they're not being misinterpreted and, and so on. Let's give them a month and see, uh, you know, what comes out of this. Yeah? See when they slip a fix in or something like that, like well, they did with the <laughs> Windows 10 home patching. What was that remember one? The, well, remember the Fuhrer that if you had Windows 10 Home Edition, you could not disable automatic updates? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. And the latest um, cumulative update patch, um, cumulative update 5, enables Windows 10 Home users to disable automatic updates. Yeah. So, okay. Well, you know, what was all they need to do is front up and be open as to what this stuff is, and it will allay so many fears. Well, it'll either make people go, they were doing what with that information, or it will be, okay, so that is exactly what is being sent. That is exactly how it's being used, and that's fine. I can make an informed decision to utilize those programs. Just one more thing, just on the subject of Microsoft. I happened to install uh, Skype on a Windows VM uh, just recently, yesterday, and uh, Windows ten. No, Windows uh, XP? seven. 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 No, Windows oh, seven. Seven. Is that yep. the good one? <laughs> yeah, the good one. So anyway, this is this is just a sign of the times, you know. To sh- uh, you know, you wouldn't have got this when Skype was Skype, as opposed to when Skype is now Microsoft. When you install install Skype, there's a couple of tick boxes. They're on by default. You can turn them off, but they are make Bing my default search engine. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Why would I? And yeah. make MSN my default homepage. <laughs> it's like why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really need to drop that stuff. But anyway, um, you already know that Skype's owned by Microsoft when you see those two options come in. Yeah, yeah. And you know everything else is is owned or or linked to Google when the fact that you install most other things and it says, do you want to install Chrome and do you want to make it your default browser? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. There's more of that around as well now, isn't there? Yeah, yep. 
<laughs> okay, but look, let's end, <laughs> let's end episode three. <laughs> Man, so much tinfoil is being, <laughs> you know, being bought up right now with all of the rigmarole going on around Windows 10 and, and Microsoft's an utter shadiness in how they're, you know, once again, going back to our whole parental communication rant that I had before, Microsoft is being very uncommunicative and they could uh, put all of this to rest by actually communicating with their user base. Okay, well, look, we've... we've, we've communication, people. That's okay, all we well, need. Okay, well, let's let's give them a month, as we said. We'll give them a month and then we'll see if they have come out with a, a, a formal explanation for that. Let's leave episode 347 at that. <laughs> and I want to thank you once again for your your viewpoints on these stories. This is why we have you on the show, of course. Uh, oh, so, indeed. yeah, thanks for coming. I, I love to rant about all kinds of things, even whether <laughs> I, even when I don't know, <laughs> even when I'm going purely on an ideal. Well, that's what makes a podcast, different opinions. So, anyway, Brett, thank you once again. <laughs> and thanks to our listeners. It wouldn't be a podcast without you. We'll do it again next time. Until then, have a fantastic week. See you again next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.